0: Hello everyone and welcome to Kings Talk presented by Caps and Crown, this is Tony with me as always, we've got John. Well, the Kings have played four games since the last time we've talked, they've gone 3-1 and one with one embarrassing defeat against the New Orleans Pelicans, who they play again tonight and can get a little revenge, quick revenge. John, Kings are 6-1 and one in their last seven, One six straight, I mean, we got beat down the other night, but I mean, other than that, things are looking good for the Kings, what did you, what did you say?
1: Yeah, I mean, for the mo- I mean, I wouldn't chalk too much up to that loss. Road back to back, they look like they kind of ran out of gas there near the end of the second quarter. But kind of adding a third six to that, you know, six and one in their last seven, they won six straight at one point. They have six guys to monitor on the injury report right now, which seems to be kind of the, the big story. I think you got Alex Len, who's probably out for another five to seven weeks. You've got Keon Ellis, sprained an ankle. Vizenkov missed Monday's game with a sore thumb, making matters worse. Keegan Murray did not return for the second half due to a lower back injury, and Duarte had a left hand injury. I'm missing one guy. Oh, Trey Lyles is still out with the uh, calf, calf strain. strain yeah. So, those are six guys to monitor. And then you could maybe throw a seventh on there because Herter's got that finger thing, mm-hmm. which is probably not 100%, but he's available. So, But six guys on the injury report, which... I mean, right now, the amount of injuries they're dealing with might be the extent of the injuries they (laughs) dealt with last season. Yeah. So it's a challenge that is new, that they've never really faced before. But I don't know. I mean, it's kind of hard to linger on because we, at this point as of recording, don't know the extent of Murray's and Duarte's injury. And, you know, you are looking at a situation where once the Kings are done on the road here, they finish up with the game in New Orleans on Wednesday and then Minnesota on Friday. Then they have three days off before they play again on Tuesday against the Warriors. I wouldn't be surprised if you see Trey Lyles come back for that Warriors game. He resumed basketball activities basically last week. He's been doing five-on-five practices on the road. I mean, it seems like he's kind of on that way to come back. Yeah. But a lot of these other guys, you don't know. I mean, Lynn's out for a certain amount of time. We don't really know the extent of Duarte and Keegan Murray. Keon Ellis with the ankle is probably you know, a couple of games. Just a sprained ankle was the extent of it. And then I wouldn't even be surprised if Vizenkov plays on Wednesday. And they could really use him, especially if Murray and Duarte can't come in. But, I mean, <laughs> we talked about the depth of this team a lot coming into the year, which is obviously strong, but it's being tested. It's being put to the test for sure. And it'll be interesting to see how they kind of do this. But I can't help but feel... I mean, just based off of the adversity they felt after they lost to Houston, and then they bounced back from that, 1-6 straight, and Mike Brown talked a lot about how he's happy they're facing this adversity now. I think the Kings have earned, and I know it's a new problem, and I'm usually not one to be optimistic about this, but th- this injury thing, having it happen in November, this could be really good for this team to have to go through that adversity, really kind of figure out who they are, who the guys are that can step up, and... I mean, as of now, it's hard to say who's exactly injured and for how long. And it's hard, It's definitely hard to say who could step up. But it's something that could easily turn into a positive, having to face
0: this adversity early. Yeah, I mean, wouldn't you rather face it earlier than later? Um, yeah. It's kind of like we were talking about like a week or two ago with the, uh, the defense. It's like, well, might as well figure out earlier in the season instead of when it's really going to start to matter. So... I mean, totally. I mean, any adversity is going to come out stronger on the other end, but it is, it is, you know, very different, not very different, but I mean, it's only been a game, maybe two depending on tonight. But I mean, the Kings were very fortunate last season, didn't have to deal with many injuries. And now they're looking at, like you said, quite a few guys that might be out or questionable coming into tonight. So, um, you know, we'll see how they respond. It was the second of a back to back. We went to New Orleans last year. Um, I don't remember when, but I remember we got smacked by them, mm-hmm. and then we came back. I think like I want to say it wasn't it wasn't back to back games like it is against the Pelicans this year. But we came back. I want to say shortly after and played the Pelicans again, and then we took care of business pretty good. So Kings are always good at um, they're they're a very resilient team. So. I could see that happening tonight, too. Yeah. I think, actually, now that you mentioned that second game from
1: last year against New Orleans, I think McNair pinpointed... That, I think it was that game where they were really, really good against New Orleans. I think he pinpointed that as one of the best games of the season for the Kings. Yeah, I want
0: to say they won by, like, 30. I think they had a really, really That's fun, good all-around that.
1: performance. I think they limited them inside, and I think they defended fairly well, which you would see from time to time from the team last season. But, I mean, again, that... Like the, the thing that makes the loss in New Orleans way different than that loss in Houston a couple of weeks ago is the fact that it didn't really feel like they gave up. And I know Mike Brown said after the game that nobody really stepped up and played you know, the, the way he'd like to, even in garbage time, which was kind of a positive in that Houston game where guys stepped up like Alex Len and Keon Ellis earned themselves spots in the rotation. But even if that didn't, if nothing of that sort materialized late in the New Orleans game, and if they were playing lousy, it's like they were clearly wiped out. <laughs> they were so tired. I mean, a loss is never a good thing, but that New Orleans loss was, that, that that kind of stuff happens.
0: Yeah, I mean, you can only win so many games in a row. I mean, of course, you want to see them win every game. But, I mean, it was, <laughs> it was a massacre out there, so... I wasn't like, we just lost the game. Like, it was bad. The one thing I would say that's interesting is, and this isn't just a problem
1: for the Kings. This might be a problem for the NBA, but how do you stop Zion Williamson? (sighs) I mean, you're not going to stop him unless he gets hurt. I mean, it's funny. Mike Brown got asked, like, what what, what would you try to
0: do with Zion, like, differently in the next game? He's like, I don't know. Ask him not to play. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I don't do. That guy's crazy. (laughs) He weighs close to 300. If not, does he weigh 300 pounds? I I, I mean, he's up there. But sometimes they always, like, put it lower than they actually are. Right. Because, so, like, I think sh- they put Shaq at, like, 270. Like, no way that dude do two seventy. Like seven something <laughs> in, Like, that body mass. Like, no, you weighed over 3. And I think he came out later saying he weighed over 3. But he's like, it looks better. It's like KD listing at 6'9". <laughs> Even though it doesn't mean he's like, yeah, it's a small forward height, 6'9". Even <laughs> though it's, like, doesn't matter. But anyways... <laughs> I mean, I, I mean personally, I think the league's been kind of lucky and the Kings. Because, I mean, I think Katie was saying it last night. It was only like the second or third time Zion has played against the Kings since joining the NBA four seasons ago. Um, so, I don't know. He hasn't been much of an issue just because he's been on the bench so much in his short career so far. But, yeah, that dude is great. He's huge and he's just super athletic. I mean, we were kind of talking before this, like... Who's the best matchup? I mean, Trey Lyles, maybe bigger guy, yeah, athletic, maybe. but I mean, he's not coming back tonight. So <laughs> I have no idea. It's, double him. And, it, but I mean, even Brown said that the, the double team was too slow on him. He's Just so fast. That was supposed to be the game plan.
1: And he just turns the corner and all of a sudden the help defense is way too late. Yeah. And, and Harrison Barnes, to give him credit, like tried his best, but it's like, he can't, he can't do it on his own.
0: No. It's tough. I don't know. I don't, not
1: many people can. I wonder if the double team and the help defense will improve with a little bit more rest, having that day off. But Or do you just double him earlier? I mean, that's the thing, though. Mike Brown said they wanted to double him on every possession. No. You know, Just keep Keegan Murray. I think he didn't say this, but I, it's, the assumption is you keep Keegan Murray on Brandon Ingram, and then you just try to double Zion. And they did a lot of traps with him, Barnes and Sabonis, and Sabonis tried to come up and help, but... There's so many times where he gets a bump and then all of a sudden he's, he uses that physicality and then he uses his quickness. It's a really, really incredible combination that, like, watching him, you kind of forget about. Like, honestly, I was, like, going into the game just being like, yeah, he's whatever. He's talented. You're like, oh, shoot. Yeah. He's <laughs> really good. I forgot. Like, he had a first-round pick for a freaking reason. Yeah. If he stays healthy and he's a, he's a problem.
0: But it, you're never going to stop him. Yeah, it, it is. You just slow him down. It is interesting watching Zion because, again, we don't watch him much, and he's he's a freaking nature. But some guy I <laughs> I always forget about until we watch him. And we played him the other day is Luka Doncic. I hate playing against that guy. He is the he is the most annoying guy to play against. It's just like, I don't know. Like he's just one of those guys that draws every foul because like I don't know. I just I just don't get it. Like why does he get every call? It's like oh, it's a little bumps It's like, foul. It's just like, how do you guard this? Yeah. And it's
1: like, you know, you look at some guys in the league, like James Harden in his younger days, or even John Morant now, these guys that really do work to get to the free throw line a lot, and they get a lot of calls and whatever. And sometimes it's a little, like, frustrating to watch as a basketball fan, and especially if you're a fan of the opposing team. But it's like, those guys have athleticism that I respect. Yeah. I don't know if there's ever – now, Doncic hits shots. Like, I'm going to give him credit for that. But sometimes when he's taking these shots and making them go in, I mean, it's easy to say that he's the least graceful superstar, perhaps, in history. Mm-hmm. And the constant bitching. Oh, my God. Constant. It's nonstop. Even when he gets a call, he's like, bitching. Yeah. Even when this, the call wasn't even close and he's just clearly trying to sell it. And I think there was a point where Katie Christensen was like, that's clearly a flop. Like, man, they have that new flopper rule. Yeah, that is very true. It. Yeah. And it's like, they're not going to call it on Doncic. I mean, that's that guy makes his money. Yeah, he's
0: infuriating to watch. Like, there's guys I hate playing against, like, Steph Curry. But it's like, you respect Steph. Yeah. Like, Luka, I don't respect him. No, it's annoying. It's like, dude, it's just not fun. It's like, just not a fun game of basketball to watch. I
1: think it's such an interesting juxt- juxtaposition between Luca and Kyrie being on the same team. Because Kyrie's this guy that gets away. He's almost impossible to stay in front of. He's just beautiful to watch mm-hmm. in terms of the game of basketball. And then Luca's this this clunky, Clun- I was gonna say just clunky, yeah. off-balanced, like, very un unappealing to look at, you know, and watch, play, and move, and all this stuff, and it's just like, these guys are the same tier player, <laughs> this should
0: not be the case, like yeah. at all, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it is weird, I, I always hate playing against them, every time I'm like, because I mean, we play Dallas, what, three times a year, yeah, it's three, two, three four. times, three, four, but I'm like, every time, I always forget, and I'm like, fuck, I hate watching this guy, it's a Nightmare, but Look, we got the wham. That was an interesting game, too. So I'm like, whoa, this game's going to go down to the wire as a, as a shootout. And yeah. just like And I remember just like, was looking down. Like, I looked back up I'm like, we're by like 20. Yeah. The <laughs> separation in that game was weird. It was weird. weird. like, okay. It was like the third and fourth
1: quarter were pretty good. And you know who played really well in that game in that second half? Hmm. Harrison
0: Barnes. Harry Buckets. Who I just
1: want to... He had those five games that we mentioned last week. And since then, he's been fine. He's had a few moments. Like, I think it was in might have been in the Laker game where there was like a loose ball and Mike Brown called the timeout and got pissed because nobody got on the floor. Mm, it kind of yeah. seemed like Barnes was the primary candidate to do it. And there's been a couple other moments where Barnes doesn't look all that great or he looks hesitant, mm-hmm. but in all, he's providing for the most part what you want. And his three-point shot has actually been steady all year, Yeah. aside from those five games. I don't know. Barnes, pretty solid. I mean, outside of that New Orleans loss, Kings, I mean, if they'd won in New Orleans, even if they had the injuries, I feel like the first thing we'd be talking about is like, man, they are one of the top teams in the West. Yeah. They really feel like it. They're with Fox back. Fox and Sabonis are playing like MVPs, which we can talk about in a bit. Mm -hmm. They're defending at a high level or at least an improved level, far more slated for the middle of the league to just above that. And, yeah, you're just seeing guys hit their stride. And it just reminds you, it's like, yeah, this team's really freaking good. <laughs> they are really good. <laughs> they're 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 extremely good and well coached and I guess again it just comes down with these injuries. It'd be interesting to see what the depth can do. hmm But uh, in terms of Wednesday against Zion, I don't know. I mean if Murray and Duarte can't I mean not like Duarte's really Murray and Duarte seem more geared to guard Ingram, but yeah, you need a big body on Zion. Yeah, it's or just Or you're going to get bullied. It's hard to imagine who you can throw out there and get Zion. I mean, you're probably going to... You might, especially if there's a guy that's injured, you might see Jalen Slauson out there. Mm-hmm. But how much are we hoping from Jalen <laughs> The most... Like, if he goes through there and just makes him work, like, which is all you have to do, like, that's enough. But, like, Jalen Slauson and the other aspects of the game, he's got a long way to go. Yeah. And I always harken back to what Mike Brown said in preseason. When Tony Harvey, out of nowhere... But, you know, we've got to respect Tony Harvey for bringing up different topics. It was just like at one point they were like, he was like, yeah, what about uh, Jalen Slauson? You know, he looks pretty good. And Mike Brown's like, yeah, he'd be playing mostly in the G League this year. And uh, he's finally starting to learn what it takes to be an NBA role player. He's got a ways to go, but he might be able to do it. Which was just like, <laughs> yeah, that's... I don't think he likes him. And then that, that um, <laughs> video from practice where Mike Brown told Monk, you know, he's going to lose his top. You know, can oh, you do yeah. that again. Yeah, he's also yelling at Jalen Sloss, and at the end of the video, he goes, "Jalen, you just missed a shot. What are you gonna do?" Because he's now on, his, his scrimmage team is on defense now. Yeah, and it's just like I don't know the way I the perception I get of Sloss and through what I get from Mike Brown is that you know I mean like we saw Colby Jones come back to earth this regular season, mm-hmm. who's really not replicated what he did in the preseason, which is honestly understandable. We were talking about him exceeding expectations. He's now on par with what we kind of expect, kind of working his way into things. But it's like, you're not going to expect something. Sloss a second-round pick from Furman. From Furman. I mean, like Southern Conference. <laughs> Never even heard of it. I didn't even know a Southern Conference existed. Like, Defensive player of the league year in uh, the, the SoCon. What the hell is a SoCon? <laughs> Why are you calling it that? Why do we have nicknames for something that we
0: don't even know? <laughs> yeah, the SoCon. Yeah, Jalen awesome, man. You turn that W upside down, he can play Slamsen. Hey, man, he's got a job in the league. Heck, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it would be interesting to see what they do there. But,
1: yeah, you'd really like to have Lyles back. I mean, it's not like Lyles would stop Zion. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if Lyles would be much better than Barnes defending him. But it's about having that other body in the mix. Because it's like outside of Barnes, who's going to cart him? You know, I think they, they tried to do a two-big lineup at one point. It didn't last very long. I think they had JaVale on him. JaVale, I don't know. <laughs> like, you don't really want to put Sabonis on him. I don't know. It's like, who guards on do him? You,
0: do you try, I and mean, this might be a stretch, but do you just try, honestly, tell me if they tried this the other night. Once the score went down big, I didn't pay much attention. But do you put Davion on the perimeter and, just, I guess, hope for offensive fouls at that point? Just try to keep him in front of him? Because, I mean, John's going to try to bully you, but you try to bully a guy 100 pounds less than you. Like it called for a couple yeah, charges, maybe. I mean, and just uh, keep the keep the pressure on on
1: the perimeter. That's so take have Davion guard him one on one with help, or Davion's the helper. Davion with help, maybe. I, but I mean, that's. I feel thing. like there was a point where Davion switched onto him, and Zion just bumped him, and it was like you don't see Davion get pushed off very much at mm-hmm. all because he's so strong with his chest. But it's just like it didn't look good. I think it was just one play where it happened. I mean, it's worth a shot. you got to throw the kitchen sink at that guy. Yeah, you really have to. And it's just like, all I you mean, can what hope else for is, is like, there? the only thing that you can hope for is like, maybe the Pelicans decide to give him a rest day. <laughs> because <laughs> they were saying on the broadcast, like, yeah, the reason the Timberwolves got such an easy go against the New Orleans Pelicans is because they rested yeah, Zion. It. And yeah, it's like, do that for, kid. I could just see the Kings going, can't you just rest him, please? <laughs> I want to go against this guy. Yeah. <sighs> Yeah, it's not like freaking Barry Bonds where you can just intentionally walk him. <laughs> dude. I yeah, I don't even know what to do. Dude's crazy. He's
0: he's almost unguardable. I can't even think of an NBA player in the league that could take him one on one. No, but it does remind me of like Giannis. Yeah. Every time we play, because we only play the Bucks twice a year, and every time it's just like, oh my god, yeah, no like, how do you stop this guy? He can't. He just is- can't. <laughs> like like it's like LeBron's a great player and all, but I like. He's, I mean, maybe not the scorer he once was, but he was, I don't know. But watching like the pure scorers, yeah. and I don't even say Giannis is a pure scorer, but even playing against like KD back in his heyday and stuff, it's like, even even KD now, but it's like, how do you stop this guy? And Giannis, he just gets to the rim so easily.
1: Yeah, Giannis is
0: probably the most dynamic player in the league. Yeah. But the same with Zion, it's just like, how do you, how do you stop this? <laughs> it's hard to, it's like. <laughs> He's just so strong. And, th- and there was no one with his body type. No. And times that athleticism. Mix, that is just it's crazy. It's insane. His athleticism
1: is almost better than his strength. Yeah. It's weird. Cause it's just like the way he was moving. As soon as he put the ball on the floor, you're bracing for the hit. All of a sudden he's going by you. The helper can barely even like decide that, Oh, I need to rotate before he's already like putting up a shot at the rim. And it's like, there were a few times where Sabonis did come in and provide some good help. Went vertical. He just finishes. Yeah. You make it as hard as you can for the guy. He still finishes. I don't know. I did not realize. I mean, like, I feel like you understand the lore of a guy. Like, oh, draft first overall, this promising mix of physical attributes. But when you just don't see him, you forget about it. And then you see it firsthand. And you're like, oh, crap. That guy yeah. is really good. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, the Pelicans can get a, most of a full season out of him.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's... He's that much of a difference maker. He's really good. So he, he good. Can, I mean, he's been... I think he's like a three-time All-Star or so in four years. Maybe even a four-time All-Star. That's, that kind of seems like a sham, but... I mean, it is. It's like Yao Ming being an All-Star. Playing 11 games like his last year. Yeah. But he's good. Kings have a lot to figure out tonight. Stop him. Or they'll be in, you know, jeopardy of losing two straight. Yeah.
1: I mean, I think... I think, regardless, even if they don't really find a way to stop them or even slow them down, again, the Kings are going to come out and play a lot better.
0: Yeah. And we said that time. against the Rockets. They True. hate back to backs. True. It's the same team.
1: It's the same team so far this season. They're not doing too well in those situations.
0: Although the Rockets do seem legit. Yeah. They
1: even do though really we
0: should have never lost that bad. But you know what it is something good to see, especially after that Rockets game kind of changing from, you know, being all, all, all up on Zion. In and that, and that Rockets game, where when Sabonis put up, what, four shots for eight points? hmm I mean, we were talking on the podcast, like, you know he's a good scorer. Like, yeah, he's never thrown up, like, 25 in a season. But it's like, I, I feel like you watch him, and, like, he's really good in the post. Like, I feel like if Sabonis put more effort into his scoring than his passing, he could put up 25. And over the last few games, I mean, that's exactly what he's done. Yeah. And it's crazy. And it's something I like to see. Is he shoots a very high percentage. I mean, his assists are still pretty high. I think They've probably he's, gone up, if anything. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. And it's just, it's nice to see. It's like, mm-hmm. I get it. Like, nine, he did 19-12 what, seven last season, which mm-hmm. is incredible. But, I, I mean, I really want to see that dude, guy do, like, 24-12-6. Because he's such a good scorer. I think he could get over 20 this season. He, he keeps it up. I think he he should. Yeah. I, I I think realistically, Sabonis could get 25 a game. I think he's that good of a scorer down low. I don't know. Do you think I'm crazy? And his no, jump I mean, shot looks so much better, too. I was going to bring that up. First of all, I was going to say the
1: increased aggression is a lot like Fox, where it's mm-hmm. just like, you need to be that guy because it opens up so many things for you. And in terms of Sabonis, like you said, it's like, well, he's got more shot attempts up and he's scoring a lot more over these last... Was it seven games now? Yeah. His assist numbers have gone up, if anything. Mm-hmm. I feel like in that Houston game, he was looking for assists. He only had five, I think, in that second Houston game. And he's had like two triple doubles. I think he's had two, almost two more mm-hmm. in his last couple of games. And it's just like the way that opens things up for you. But we did talk about it at the beginning of the season. It's like, you know, there are going to be times where he's going to have opportunities to shoot. He's got to be ready to do that. But it's like. There were, I think, there was one preseason game against the Warriors where he was really kind of flashing his jump shot. Yeah, I think he hit a fadeaway mid-range jumper against the Pelicans. Yeah, I think he hit a couple threes. Maybe I'm thinking of the Dallas game where
0: he. Hit no, I think threes. it was against the Pelicans. He he definitely hit. Or maybe it was Dallas. I don't know. I think the threes I'm thinking
1: of were from Dallas. Yeah, I think he definitely hit like a turnaround mid-range. It was like
0: very tough. Beautiful
1: shot. He nailed it. Yeah, and it's just like that. Actually, is. Really helps your cause because now you're not having to put it with a jump shot. You don't have to put in as much effort Mm -hmm. to create that look. Especially if it's a three-point shot where it's being generated where are like, oh, I'm just out on the perimeter wide open. Beautiful. And so it's like you're looking at scoring production increase without having to really increase your output of effort. So... I think i think by saying savona should average over 20 I think that's fair I think he can I think he definitely can get to 24 or 25 points maybe in another season
0: i i mean i don't think he's going to I think he can if he tried I, i'm not saying that's we need him to be there right. but I think he i think he should be over 20 this year he's definitely capable because i think the aggression as we've seen is it's only yieldly good results yeah
1: and it's like once you start talking about that because You know, Simonis was deserving of MVP votes last season. We talked about it. He's obviously going to be deserving of it this year because he's going to replicate, maybe even be a little bit better in terms of his stat line. And it's like, well, once you start talking about a 24-25 point a game guy, 12 rebounds, 7 plus assists, well, now you're, I mean, Jokic is still probably a step up (laughs) from you in a couple areas, but now you're really starting to talk about, like, not just a couple third place MVP votes. You're talking about a little bit more recognition there. Mm-hmm. That can really help him out. And it, it, it would also just kind of allow the league to be like, oh, he really is kind of the next best thing behind Jokic. Yeah. And,
0: and he got so much disrespect this off season because of that stupid playoff series.
1: Yeah. That's tough.
0: It is tough, but I mean, hey, he's not obviously hasn't scared him off. I didn't no. think it ever would. No. It's, you know, I mean, he's, he's having a. I mean, the start of the season wasn't anything crazy, but the last seven games... How did he do against New Orleans? I didn't really see the stat line.
1: Mm, I don't remember. I think he he he
0: had. I think he only had like 10,
1: 11, and 8. Okay. So near triple-double, but it wasn't really... He yeah. missed a lot of shots. Yeah. Him,
0: him and Fox missed a lot of looks. That six-game stretch, though, was... I mean, he was playing just as good or not better than Fox. I mean, Fox got player of the week, deservedly. I mean, he was... Terrific. Terrific. He was leading the league in scoring for a second there, wasn't he? Yeah, for like a, a day. Yeah. After the um, 43-point performance versus, was that Dallas? Yeah, that was, no, I think he had
1: it after the Spurs game, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think he scored 43 against the Spurs. Or maybe, <laughs> I'm getting so mixed up. It's I'm that mis- time of the year. <laughs> I'm getting mixed up, too. Uh, Especially when the game's like you have four
0: in a week, you're like, uh, what game is that? <laughs> yeah. But I, th- I think he, he must have lost it last night. Yeah. 14 points. Um, but I think he's still averaging 29.6. Yeah.
1: And he throws up another 40 point game.
0: And then all yeah. All of a sudden, you're right up
1: in there. Like, if he averages 30 points a game and was like a six assist guy with, you know, whatever amount of rebounds, which are pretty solid from the guard position, I mean, he he, he deserves to be right up in there. He's terrific. I mean, you see like Shea Gilgis Alexander get so much credit for being a 30 plus point scorer. And it's like, Fox does so much more on the defensive end, the team's better, they go further in terms of, I mean, OKC I think is like third in the conference right now or something. Yeah, they're, they're doing well. They're actually doing well. But, but just thinking about like SGA's last two seasons compared to that, I mean, like he gets MVP votes, doesn't
0: he? Hey, yeah. He's, I think he's
1: a 30 plus point. People talk about him years. like he's a
0: top 10 player in the league. And he's deserving of it. He is
1: really good. He's really good. He's so hard to stay in front of him. And I I feel like he's a little different than some of those other guys where it's like, I don't feel like he's always looking for fouls. He obviously benefits a lot from getting to the free throw line, but a lot of 30-plus point per game guys do it that way because there's no way you're going to score 30 a night off of a low free throw clip. Yeah. Like, that's just not expected. But, yeah, yeah, I mean, not to get too caught up on him, but it's just like Fox, just constantly, the, the increased aggression from the beginning of the game, which we've seen basically since he's come back, and he, he noted that, essentially, in that final full game that he played before he got hurt, where it's like, I need to be more aggressive throughout the game and all that. We really see how that's making a difference. The defense has taken another step this season. And the three-point shooting. Three-point shooting has been really good. Which it's early. I wouldn't buy that he's going to be a 38% three, three-point shooter this season. I think he was at 34%, 35% last season.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But 36 37%, I mean, that definitely helps the point totals. I don't think people are looking at your three-point percentage when it comes to... MVP voting, but definitely helps that points total. And I don't know, I would put money on Foxman MVP just to try it. Yeah, I mean, you might not win it, but top three, I could see it. I could too. He's so good. And the way the Kings are playing, it's just like if they can really continue what they were doing during that six game win streak, which I really kind of expect if they stay healthy. It's like, how do you deny Fox that? And the only reason that he was, like, off of lists is because he missed those five games, which was, like, half the season relative to like, yeah. the rest of the guys.
0: Yeah. But it's like, he's been, he's been so good. He's crazy. He's ridiculous. He's he's phenomenal. Yeah. I don't know what else to say about him. <laughs> it, it, just, is, it is. He's one of those so good. Like,
1: yeah, no, Fox is just tearing it up.
0: <laughs> yeah, scored 43. I mean, I, I, I'll put money on that. He'll score 50 at least once this year. Yeah. He has to. He'd probably have a couple fifty point games. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised either, especially the way the NBA scores nowadays. Yeah, he can just turn it on too. He can. He scores so effortlessly. He's so good around the room too. Mm-hmm. It's like it just a, it's like almost like amazing when he misses a layup. Like what? Yeah, I mean, his mix of speed,
1: the ability to change his speeds, shift gears, and then you add that three point shot. It's just like what do you do as a defender? Do I leave him wide open? Do I expect him to come at me full speed, but then he can slow down? That's like, I mean, he's, obviously it's a little different with the physical specimen of a guy like Zion, but you start thinking about that and it's like, there's not a solution. There's, it's like, you just have to hope he misses. Yeah, at a point. Try to make him work. But he might be honestly one of the hardest guys to make work because it doesn't matter who you have on him. He's probably the hardest player to stay in front of. I mean, Zion is pretty. (laughs) <laughs> from the perimeter position, he's basically yeah. the fastest. He might be the fastest man on the, on the planet. Darren Fox. He's incredible. It just seems like the Kings, like you talk about like having multiple stars to win a championship. It's like, man, multiple MVP
0: candidates. Yeah, honestly. It's crazy. Yeah. Good times in SAC. It feels nice. Everyone always asks me because no one's as big as a Kings fan as I am. But, you know, family. No one in the world. No one. <laughs> at me. Um, it's just, you know, family or whoever, like casual fans You talk to me. How yeah, the Kings doing. It's like they're doing well. It's a nice change over the last 16 years. I would say. Because <laughs> the Kings were the laughing of sack. You wouldn't believe it, but they're unrecognizable. <laughs> who? De'Aaron who?
1: His name's Aaron. <laughs> Not Aaron, D'Aaron. Aaron. I'm going to run some de- errands. <laughs> I'm going to go out and run some de- errands real quick. I'll be gone for an hour. Yeah, but you know, regardless if the Kings are injured or not, I think one of the big topics over the last couple months, probably for the last year plus, is like would the Kings be able to add a third star was always kind of the common thing. And even with like Keegan Murray's emergence, the uh, the the conversation about adding another star has been pretty big. And Shams Cherania on the Run It Back podcast with like Michelle Beadle and I think
0: Chandler Parsons. Chandler Parsons and, and Lou, Williams. Lou Williams. Lou Will. Lou Ooh, Thrilliams. Fucking
1: six man a year. <laughs>
0: like three times. Yeah,
1: fucking killer. Um, he was talking about how the Kings are a, you know, in the market for a star. And I think he mentioned Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi, two very common names, and Zach Levine, who's kind of the first name this season that seems to be totally out on his team. (laughs) I think he had like some issue where he was going to get interviewed after a game and he brushed off the public relations person (laughs) and didn't do it. So he seems totally out on Chicago completely. And I think a week ago he came out saying he wanted to play for the 76ers,
0: Lakers, Heat. And so- he w- and he wouldn't mind playing for the Kings. That's why he wouldn't. He would welcome joining Sacramento again. Remember, as we all probably know, Levine signed a contract with Sacramento as an RFA, and then that then got matched by the Bulls. Right. So he stayed in Chicago because of it. So there's always kind of like, well, what if he comes back? But no, we're not. It just doesn't make sense. He's he's costs way too much. He won't fit the system. He's a great player. He's a multiple time All Star, but you, you just don't need him. He's I mean, known as a ball chucker for a reason. He would—he's essentially. If you didn't have Darren Fox, you would get Levine, but Levine and Fox would be fighting for the ball way too much. Probably mm-hmm. what's going on in Chicago with Levine and DeRozan. Mm-hmm. You just—you don't need two ball chuckers. You—you yeah. you have your point guard and Sabonis. You need a scorer. You don't need two scorers. I mean, look what's happening in L.A. with Paul George, James Harden, Russell Westbrook, and yeah, Leonard. I'll give him more credit as a two-way guy. Yeah. And same with George, but I mean they can all score twenty five plus if they wanted to. Mm hmm. Definitely. But share share those share those points with the rest of the team too. With the Kevin Herders of the world. Yeah. And the Keegan Murrays. Yeah. That's
1: the thing, is it's just like can Levine wait for shots to get generated for him? No. He's never done that. He's always gone out and got his own shot. And why would
0: you pay forty million a year for that? No, he wouldn't. It would screw up the, the oh, complete
1: cohesion of the offense and everything like that i mean you don't that's the thing too is it's like the kings aren't looking to necessarily bolster their offense you know yeah. what i mean and like levine is long and versatile in a way but he'd screw with the offense and not help the defense that much i feel like i feel like it makes no sense to go after levine and i would i would be surprised if the kings were even really looking at him that that seriously it's like one of those things where even if you had the chance to get Levine in like a straight swap for Barnes, which is obviously never going to happen, but I feel like if I were the Kings, I would want Barnes more than Levine.
0: Yeah, he he. Because serves you need the role players. Yeah, you need role players as much as you know. Role players aren't you know sexy if that's the word. Mm. You know you want the star players, it's like you need the role players. I mean, Kyle Kuzma said that about the the U.S. basketball team losing. To in the the FIBA World Cup it's like yeah they're not gonna win because there's a bunch of stars on that team yeah right? you need role players to not to sit in the corner and shoot the ball because mm-hmm. that helps out with the offense and gets your real star you know good opportunities it's interesting coming from kuzma <laughs> great point great point I didn't hear that but
1: uh yeah and, and that I mean we'll get to the other two guys that Sham's mentioned but that's why I feel like if you're talking about any Chicago Bull to pursue, you got to pursue Alex Lonzo Caruso. Ball? <laughs>
0: when was the last time Lonzo Ball played? I don't know. Remember it was like De'Aaron Fox or Lonzo? It's like a big deal. Because like Lonzo got drafted before him? Yeah, and Fox knocked out Lonzo in the Sweet 16. Gotcha. And they were like the two... I don't know. Fultz... Was Fultz a point guard? He was like the first... They were like... I don't know. Like the two P Point guards, Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, Alex Caruso, man. Because
1: Alex Caruso, I mean, we're talking about, like, last week we were like, well, Keon Ellis has minutes over Davion right now, which really set up a conversation for what's the future plans for the Kings. And, I mean, if you are going to go with Keon Ellis over Davion, that doesn't necessarily mean that Keon is going to hold the backup point guard role all season. Could you really expect him to? All these things. Well, let's say... You wanted to move on from Davion and go with, and and kind of think about Keon as that kind of future guy. Well, you wouldn't want to necessarily, if you're sacrificing the potential to have two guys battling it out for one spot where you have like the best at any given time doing it. You could have that stopgap guy, essentially, who would really be bolstering your ro- your roster. I think Caruso would be better than Davion or Keon at this very moment, oh, without yeah. a doubt. Oh, without yeah. a doubt. No, Caruso is the most disruptive and active defender in the league. I think he leads the league in def- deflections like every season. He's a better playmaker than Davion. And he's a better three-point shooter than any of them. Yeah. And so, I mean, and you're talking about like, wow, the Kings are trading for a star or something like that. yeah. If you're gonna if you're gonna go after anybody, it seems like you could expend a couple second round picks just to get Caruso. I mean, they got two; they give two second round picks to get Duarte. Yeah, you know, and it's just like Caruso's in his early 30s. I think is he at the end of his contract? Is probably? Is he? Is he a little older?
0: I don't know. I feel like we always get to this point. <laughs> Wake <We're like, laughs> it up. Is he? I thought he was 20. Alex Caruso He's in the league six years. He is, and oh, he's probably 28. <sighs> Yeah, he's 29, so almost 30. Okay. Yeah, I mean, he was uh, all defensive last year. I don't know, first or second team. Sorry, but um, I
1: feel like he's like one of those teams every year.
0: Yeah, no, he's a great defense. He's a he's your three and D guy. Yeah. He, he reminds me kind of a little bit of like a better Dante DiVincenzo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. White guy, <laughs> six foot four, six foot five. Uh, Dog shoot. on defense Yeah and you know and, and is not a liability on offense No Because it's like your defense is your bread and butter But you can also play offense mm-hmm. So I mean Caruso would be great I don't know let me look at his contract I, But I, I have heard that the Bulls know his worth mm-hmm. So It's not I don't think two second rounders Will get him he does have a lot of interest Around the league right now Because he is an all defensive player and not a liability on offense, which is important. He's got a partial guaranteed contract last, next year. How much is he making? Uh, 10 mil a year. Uh, well, close to it. Like 9.5, 9.8, 10 mil. Close to 10 next year. What What's a partially guaranteed contract mean?
1: It means you have to like fulfill something to, to get the full worth of it. So, mm. I don't know exactly what it would be for him.
0: Anyways, I mean, he would be great. Yeah. $10 million, though, I mean, he's definitely a, you know, pricier mm-hmm. bench piece. Yeah. A top-end a top end guy. Well, Davion's a first-round pick, and so his contract goes up
1: incrementally season by season. Right? That is true. And he's, what, making $8 million probably. probably. as a first-rounder? Yeah.
0: So it's not that much of a difference. The Kings point. have a
1: little bit of cap space to play
0: with. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, if you switch up Davion on him, I mean, it would clear up. Yeah. And they'd probably do it straight up. I mean, money wise, I think that'd be an upgrade, (laughs) like big time. Oh, it would be not even just for now. I feel like. Curse would be. I mean, the king. That's what the Kings need. I mean, I think of what every team needs. You need two stars. Kings got that. Yeah, and then the rest of the guys, three and D guys, Uh and maybe a Keegan Murray or like. Everyone calls it, like, the Aaron Gordon right now. Three and D, but can actually do a little more on offense, mm-hmm. too. Yeah. To, like, oh, he's kind of a third star. Yeah. But, like, a guy who knows his role. I mean, the Kings, I think that's all they need. If Keegan Murray can develop into that Aaron Gordon, that third star, but still, like, let Fox and Sabonis run the show. They, I mean, look what the Nuggets did last year. Yeah. I mean, who was Aaron Gordon and Jamal Murray? Yeah. <laughs> Are there second, best, second and third? Yeah. I, mean, I mean, Jamal Murray
1: played really well.
0: I mean, Jamal Murray is a really good player. Um, and Michael Porter Jr. is great, too. Yeah. But, I mean, so is Kevin Herter. Yeah. So is De'Aaron Fox. So is Sabonis. So is Kia Ke- Murray. It's getting to that point. Yeah. You just get three and D guys. You don't need Levine. You don't even need Siakam. Yeah. OG oh, Ananobi. Again, I, th- I see him more as a three and D guy than a star. Yeah. I Not mean, less- obviously, probably... the best example of a 3 and D guy you can yeah. come up with. Yeah. Exactly. But in terms of
1: Caruso too, it's like, the other thing is, you know, they talk about the energy off the bench is one of the biggest keys to anybody's bench. And you see energy from Monk and you see energy even from Duarte, but it's like at the backup point guard position. I mean, like Keon Ellis brings energy, but like, you know, young player and experienced, how much are you going to get out of it? How consistent is it going to be Caruso night in and night out would be another energy guy. Mm-hmm. And it would be with three. If you have three good bench pieces that come off and give you some great energy, and even like Alex Len and Javale McGee can come out and bring energy. You know, hit or miss, and depending on their impact. But it's like you're really, really raising the electricity off the bench. Man, imagine that bench: Caruso, Malik, and Trey Lyles.
0: Yeah, off the bench. Can't forget Lyles.
1: Lyles is a form of energy in, in his own because he's just so versatile and consistent. Yeah, he just goes out there and makes an instant
0: impact mm-hmm. in some manner. Yeah, that's a really good bet. That'd be a crazy bet. <laughs> I mean, like we said, I mean three and D. He, he, the Kings and Monty. I'm gonna call him Monty again. Um, <laughs> no, Monte. Oh my God, Monty was now, out. now I'm calling him the right name. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, Monty. Yeah, you know Monty. You, you know he's not gonna. He's not gonna go all out, right? He's 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 not going to make a move that's not going to benefit the team. He's not going to go for a Labine or a Siakam. He's going to go for a team, or sorry, a guy that fits the team's mold right now. And, and Caruso, you know, flashing red lights around his name, him and Anobi. And I mean, yeah, there's probably other guys that probably aren't as big as names that mm-hmm. are on the market or could be. But, phew. Yeah, that bench that'd be really fun. That'd be great, and
1: it's far more realistic than going after a Nananobi because, true as we'll get to, it's just like that's a big name and from a franchise that has a reputation that's a little harder to pull things away from in terms of high asking value and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But Caruso, I mean, Caruso is getting far more attention than Levine is apparently. In terms of sheer volume of teams calling about him. But that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's cheaper
0: too. like Levine's contract's crazy too. Yeah. Makes a lot. What if, what if the Bulls are I mean, I doubt it, but what if they say first rounder? I mean you're not giving up a first rounder. For, for Caruso?
1: Th- yeah, no chance.
0: Like that's why I was like thinking I'm like three seconds, maybe two in Davion. Clutch points is saying the Bulls have to land a first round pick for Caruso. And but I mean, and the problem too with this with Caruso, I, I mean a first round pick is excessive, and I don't think the Kings should do that. But they're saying that the bidding war is gonna be that's large, yeah. and so the highest bidder wins. Well, so, someone will throw in a first round pick. I, I think so.
1: Somebody'll freaking do the it. The
0: Kings I don't think Caruso's the guy to throw a first round pick at or an intriguing young player. <laughs> Does Davion fit that? He's, I think he's an
1: intriguing young player, but I don't know. I mean, like that's the is thing. Jalen about- Slauson fit it? <laughs> Colby
0: Jones. Um, no. I like this. People also ask, is Alex Caruso still in the NBA? <laughs> is Dante Exum still in the NBA? Alex Apparently. Caruso could fetch a similar trade return as Drew Holiday. Where? When? Yeah, now you're talking about
1: desperation.
0: Because didn't Drew Holiday get moved for a couple firsts? Uh, I honestly don't know what he got moved for. I don't
1: even know how Boston.
0: He got moved days. for like Damian Lillard. Oh, because he went to Boston. Yeah. I don't know. It's a good mean. question. But anyways, the point of this is, it is just, his salary is very friendly. Caruso's.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely something you can squeeze in. I mean, exclude the 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 bidding war that'll probably ensue with it. That'll probably drive up his value. The Kings could find a way to get him. He seems like not only just the perfect fit, but kind of a feasible option to actually pull off. Mm-hmm. But then that bidding war comes in and it gets a little difficult. But Caruso, if you're going to go after a bull, not named Michael Jordan <laughs> or Scottie Pippen, go after Caruso. I don't know. Yeah. He would be a good option. He but, would. you know, Shams was talking about, you know, the Kings having all these assets. They have. All five of their first round picks between 2025 and 2030. They have 10 first round picks between 2024 and 2026. You you think about all the assets Monty McNair did. He could have had Colby Jones at what? 50 pick 34 and he got him at pick 38 or maybe it was something similar to that. And he got a second or two by moving back a few spots. He's always trying to get second round picks and accumulating assets. And You know, the Kings are a talented team that are definitely in the market for a big player. You obviously mentioned Siakam and Levine, but, you know, we mentioned Levine. He's a ball checker and whatnot. really doesn't seem to fit the flow of the offense, and you wouldn't really be adding a lot by getting him, honestly, based on the makeup of the team as the Kings stand right now. Siakam's kind of redundant. He's also 29 and not a great three-point shooter. Uh, Would he average seven assists with the Kings? No. Not with Sabonis and Fox and Monk there. So that doesn't make any sense.
0: But OG Ananobi, our old friend. Our old friend. Talked OG. about him a
1: lot this off season. talked about him a lot last season. I feel like he was probably talked about a lot even before then. But, man, if you could get OG Ananobi, that would be crazy. And first of all, just think about it. Keegan Murray emerging as a defender. OG Ananobi in the same starting lineup. Oh, my goodness. Perimeter offensive players would be terrified. Not terrified, but they definitely have their work cut out for him against the Kings. Yeah. And you know, I don't know, we were talking about him being a two-way, two way, uh, two, three and D guy. I mean, he is the epitome of perfect three and D guy. Consistent 38, 39% three point shooter. One of the most disruptive and strong defenders and versatile. I mean, and I think he's only 24, 25. Fits right in. You'd have him, you know, if you lock him up, which you would do if you traded for him. Oh man, Fox Sabonis Murray and you know, Ananobi—that's <laughs> pretty good. Uh,
0: pretty good core. That would be insane. I mean, I I think that would like right away make the Kings a contender, like a legit like top five contender. Yeah, Cause he would be the Aaron Gordon. We, you know, I have mentioned already, and I've seen thrown around. Like mm-hmm. it's Aaron Gordon, but um, yeah, and like we were talking about earlier. Because the Kings, this report came out from Shams and it's like, you know, the Kings are going to be a major player for any star player available. And, you know, OG and Pascal, they've been, they feel like they've been floating on the market for like three years now. Uh, At least Pascal, um, OG maybe not as long, but still, I mean, we've been talking about him forever. But then in that podcast with Lou Williams, he's like, yeah, nobody What was like he was dogging on Sacramento. Yeah, it's he's like suburb. cities matter. You're not going to like pull people in. From it, what you would call it. Exactly. And, you know, I, I, I think people, you know, disrespect Sacramento. I think people have good points about how people come to Sacramento and stay here and, you know, they raise their families here. And I think that maybe that's like an important part. And we were talking about this before the podcast, like why they should trade for him now. He's a—I don't think he's a free agent next year. I think he has a uh, player option, which will probably decline. Mm-hmm. So he's going to make a lot of money, but like, wouldn't you rather bring him over to SAC this season, get him, you know, get like show him the fans, show him the cultural building, you know? It's better having him here now and showing him what Sacramento is and the team. Rather than try to get him in a bidding war in free agency, because that's you know that's when the LAs win, that's yeah. when the the Miami's win. Yeah, I mean Lou Williams, it was interesting. He didn't. He was totally ignoring what Shams was saying because
1: Shams was just saying that Kings have the ability to trade for guys, and he went to free agency. But that just totally underlined the fact that like the Kings have built their success. Off of, mostly off of trades. I mean, they obviously drafted Fox, you know, and they drafted Murray too, but they traded for Sabonis. They, um, traded for Weber. Yeah. I mean, like, think about all that. I mean, that's traded that's, for Richmond. That's the nature of the Kings. They traded for Bibby. Traded for Bibby. You know, like, that's just the way the Kings have to roll. Traded build. for Rudy Gay. <laughs> yeah. Traded for Harrison Barnes.
0: Traded for Barnes. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, we can say it. I mean, the, whether it's a dig or not, I mean, it's not a lot of big, Free agent names. It's traded for Kevin Herter. Yeah. But it's like... I mean, they signed Malik Monk as a good pickup. But I mean, over the last, you know, 20 years... Like who, you signed Vlade? uh And that was over 20 years ago now. The only
1: people they sign are people they have to overpay, like Dwayne
0: Dedman. Yeah. Or or guys who don't want it or aren't welcome anywhere on the league. Yeah. Or they just want that that
1: stopgap year. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like almost... Like, I didn't actually find much wrong with Lou Williams' statement other than the fact that it didn't really have to do with what Shams was saying. But it's a good point. I mean, like, it just underlines the fact that that's how the Kings have to build. That's how they've always built success, when they have built success. So, that raises the point. It's like, if you're going to get an Anobi, you got to trade for him in January or February because you're not going to get him during the summer.
0: Yeah. And it is... And then, you know, he's the guy. I mean, he's the guy... Who's going to fit in with this team perfectly. And That's it's-
1: that's such an important point because it's not just like that would be a big acquisition, but it's not like a big acquisition in the way of like, like someone getting Levine. Like, yeah. You're getting a guy that's literally coming in. He's got the tools to help anybody, but specifically the Sacramento team. Be a role player on offense. Let the, as Katie Christensen rightly calls it all the time, the equal opportunity offense, produce shots for you. He's not going to lose offensive production. Probably it's probably going to be about the same. He's going to be efficient. And he's going to be the best defender on the team. Yeah, on a team that's ascending defensively, mm-hmm. at least for now. But
0: that would just be insane. That's a good point. I mean, it's uh, it's you're either getting like you Noji in February, or you're not getting him until all. and yeah, like ever. Yeah, That's it. That is crazy to think about. Yeah, and so. there's, I mean, there are players like him, but not available in trade talks.
1: Yeah, and it's like we talked about, like Monty McNair, not. Going over, like, just not, like, overshooting to get a guy. Not, like, blowing up things to try to get a guy. And we were talking about that with Caruso. It's like, should they give up a first-round pick? No. No, no, no. If someone's giving up a first-round pick, let that be their issue. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, McNair's not going to do that. But
0: Ananobi? I mean, if, like... He's a guy that can propel this team.
1: Three first-round picks and Davion Mitchell, which they take that. I think they would. I, I, I would hope they would. Yeah. And I think that the Kings... I think that would be worth doing. Because mm-hmm. you, can you, you can't give it 20, give you give 28 30 and 30. Yeah. Beautiful. And then Davion Mitchell. And I'm sure Darko Darko R, because I don't know what his last name is the head coach <laughs> in, in Toronto would love a guy like Davion Mitchell mm. in terms of like building
0: a defensive and athletic young culture there. I mean, I don't know. Would they? <laughs> I, you know, I don't know. From what I was reading, I, I don't honestly. I mean, I'm a Kings fan. I, I try. I pay attention to the league as much as I can. I don't really know what's going on in Toronto too much. I was reading some of their social media. There, it seems like their primary focus is to build around Scotty Barnes. Mm-hmm, that makes sense. Which is kind of, yeah. But it is interesting. Cause they have like Scotty Barnes. They have Pascal. They got <laughs> Noji Hananobi. Yeah. It's like, dang. Should be a really good team. They have Podol in the middle. Yeah. It's like... Anyways. Um, so, I think they, they're they looking for young pieces. I mean, that's why... I mean... I mean, they want Murray so badly. Yeah. And, so, and it's hard having Murray, I feel like, for that reason. I mean, it's not hard having him, but it's like... Well, yeah, Murray. Like, you either give us Murray or you don't get him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's tough. It's yeah. like...
1: It's like it's like I don't know it's just it's it's a luxury that all of a sudden becomes a burden. It's yeah. Like having too much money like you have to buy your girlfriend everything or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's a bad example but <laughs> you have to pay more taxes. So yeah, it's a little bit like that. I mean like there are burdens with luxuries and yeah that that's a good point. And the high the 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 reputation of Toronto wanting a lot. Mm-hmm. That could become an issue. So like if we're talking about McNair maybe going a little bit bigger swing for the fences, that cannot include Murray. And I don't think he would do that. But that might make it impossible. Because just having him,
0: you know, they're going to go, we could have Murray. It's Murray or nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they'll just be like, all right, you can only have him if we get Murray. Yeah, but how much can you play hardball when you're like, oh, he get three first round picks? That's true. But that would,
1: I I mean, that would only happen if they couldn't get an offer they want from another team, which would be multiple first
0: and a really good Keegan Murray type prospect, I guess. But but like I said, and like I said, I don't know I don't know if this is what the front office is thinking or just Raptors fans. But it's from what I read online by Unrended. fans. Yeah. Uh <laughs> website in the world. It sounds <laughs> like they're still yeah, right. I mean it sounds like they got Scotty Barnes and they want it sounds like they're, they want to be on Scotty Barnes' timeline. Or you're yeah. just waiting, wasting Scotty Barnes. Yeah. And he, I mean, Scotty Barnes is a really good player. Very good. He's mm-hmm. like a little Sliakum. And so it's like three first rounds, great. And maybe that's good for other draft capital going forward, mm-hmm. which it is. Mm-hmm. But still, when you, they see Murray, I mean, he would fit Barnes' timeline perfectly. They're probably about the same age. Yeah. That's difficult. We'll see, though. I mean, three first-rounders, though, would still be great. And that's got to start some kind of a conversation. Yeah. And
1: Sharon, you have pointed it out. I mean, the Kings have a ton of assets, and you have to give McNair credit for that. Yeah. And,
0: and OG's always getting linked back to the Kings. And I, I think Damian Barling, who I don't know who his sources are specifically, um, I mean, he said that the Kings are going to aggressively pursue OG. Granted, this was during the summer before the season started, but who's to say that ever stopped just because oh, we didn't yeah. get him before the season began. Clearly, their
1: their evaluation and valuation of O.G. Ananobi is quite high. Yeah. They clearly see him as being a huge difference maker. Mm-hmm. And like even chumps like us can
0: see that. <laughs> you know, and we Yeah, I don't watch O.G. Ananobi until he plays the Kings, too. Yeah, but I mean, you see it. Yeah.
1: I mean, he leads the league. I think he lead the league in steals the last, last two year. seasons. Was I think really just last year. year. I mean, he's just so good. He's terrific. I mean, we'll have to see. We'll have to see with OGN and Obi. But, you know, King's injuries, <laughs> this isn't really a topic, but I was kind of thinking about it. I was like, what well, if the Kings really run into some energy issues and need somebody to come in and play, like, are they going to call Terrence Davis or Jeremy Lamb?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Is Jeremy Lamb on the G League team? Is he? <laughs> I don't know. I want to say he might be. I want to say I was like looking, because uh, I follow the Stockton Kings on Instagram. And I'm like, is that Jeremy Lamb?
1: Yeah, because sometimes there's a lot of Stockton, Stockton Kings news that gets swept under the rug.
0: At least for me. Yeah. He's with the team? Uh, Wait, no. This is Indiana Pacers, but I don't believe that. I
1: was going to say, if he's in the G League, I mean, that that's a nice pipeline for him to become a coach. That is true. Because he's not down there to develop. Yeah, he's obviously. on the, he's on he's
0: on Stockton. Okay, he's on the
1: Stockton. Kings. I wouldn't be surprised if we see Jeremy Lamb as like, on the coaching staff in Stockton and maybe moving his way up to Sacramento. But with the Kings called Terrence Davis, who's <laughs> still not with the team? I know, which really makes me feel bad. But like T- he seems good enough to be on the team.
0: I wonder. I wonder what his issue in the off season was. At some point, he's got to like sign, right? You'd think. I mean, that's your livelihood. You'd think,
1: but it's like it's not promising for guys. That if you're making it this far without being on a team, nobody really wants to bring you in. No, not like, this late. Have to be desperate. Like, yeah. Maybe the Lakers last season would do it. Like at this time, yeah, when the Lakers were like looking for something before they did all their great trade deadline moves.
0: TD. TD. I mean, yeah, adventures <laughs> the, the happen, right? <laughs> Call TD up. Yeah, TD. Come on. I mean, he's like, I got to have my numbers three. It's like, I'm a Rams fan. It's like (laughs) Kyron Williams went out, our running back. It's like Daryl Henderson, (laughs) who was the running back last year, but he hasn't been on a team all year, no one signed him. Like, hey, you want a chance until Kyron comes back? That's the funniest thing about football.
1: And they just cut him today because
0: Kyron's coming back on Sunday. It's like
1: when the 49ers brought in Tevin Coleman last season for a little bit. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You had him on your fantasy team. I'm like, yeah, start. <laughs> and it might be Kieran Williams I don't know how to pronounce it, but yeah football's a little different because you guys want these guys to know your scheme it was so funny just like speaking of Tevin Coleman it's like clearly Kyle Shanahan loved Tevin Coleman and Mike McDaniel the offensive coordinator at the time who's now the head coach of Miami loved uh, Mostert
0: yeah and it's clearly out.
1: Raheem Mostert was the best <laughs> like arguably the one of the fastest running backs in the league
0: Yeah,
1: and now Raheem Mostert's in Miami <laughs> and Tevin Coleman's on the couch. It is funny how that works. A little older, but yeah, I don't know.
0: But we got another three games before our next podcast. So we got uh, we got tonight against the Pelicans. Friday Minnesota. against oh, just two, just two games, right? Yeah, just two games because we'll be back ne- at the top of next
1: week just before they play a back to back at home. Golden State and is it
0: the Lakers again? I, I don't remember don't what know. that is.
1: And then they play Denver, like, on Saturday. And then it's the tournament week.
0: Yeah. Which, the Kings are 2-0 in the group play. And Wait, when are our last two games? Because they're Tuesdays. Oh, they're Tuesdays-Fridays, huh? Yeah. So it would be Friday against Minnesota. Minnesota and then Golden State Gold on Tuesday. Golden State, okay. You just said that. Um, let's win it. <laughs> <laughs> let's it. win the damn thing. I mean, as a, we make fun of it so much, but... I'll be upset if I. I mean, I'm not gonna like be that upset. But I'm gonna be rooting for them to win it. Yeah. What, well, what else is there to do? It's like
1: we said when this thing got announced. It's like it seems so weird now, but it's just gonna be like the play in tournament or anything else. We're gonna get used to it. We're probably even gonna like it a little bit. Yeah.
0: I yeah. mean, I, I I'll give it credit to this. It's like watching that Spurs game or that OKC game. I'm like, all right. It, it means it. a little more. It did, yeah. And Which it, is all that matters. If it means something to the players, then it's going to mean something to the fans. Yeah. And so it's like, all right, I want them to win this. Yeah. The, so, the level of play was definitely elevated. And let me tell you, it feels good being 2-0. and 2-0, oh. <laughs> <and> oh, baby. <laughs> but with the Kings' injury chances, does it hurt their chance at the NBA Cup? The Minnesota, I don't know how they're doing right now. I know they started I think, off pretty well. Yeah, I think Minnesota's like 3-0 and oh in
1: the group stage.
0: Maybe 2-0. and oh. I think they're 3-0. and oh. Could be. Yeah. Warriors are like one and two, I think. You know, Warriors got some issues. Oh! <laughs> Golden State's got
1: some issues. It's kind of fun living in the Bay Area and just be like, people just like cursing out. Like, what the hell? Like, why did they draft this white kid? <laughs> Pod Brian, Jemsky. Jemsky. That, Pod. That yeah, was such an interesting pick. It was like him and Hackers going to Miami, like 2021 20, in the draft. I was like, what? I are watching that I'm like, huh? Everybody's like, what a great pick for Miami. I'm like, what do you mean? What do you fucking mean? That makes no sense to me. Hakez is an early second round pick. Whatever. I don't know. I think he's doing pretty good though, right? Is he? I have no idea. <laughs> when do the Kings play the, the Heat? I, don't I feel know. like it's hard for me to even pay attention to other teams when you're focusing so much on the Kings, but it's like, okay, you kind of pay attention to the Western Conference, but the Eastern Conference, that's like going on, on another planet in my mind. Like, I have no idea what's going on.
0: He's averaging almost 10 points a game. Is he in the rotation? How many minutes is he getting a game? Uh, Where is basketball reference? I hate when basketball reference like, it should be like a top two Google search. It should be like up there when they have like, they have it with like the Wikipedia little thing on Google. It should be right next to it. Yeah, sometimes it is. Sometimes it is, yeah. He's averaging 25 minutes a game. Oh, good for him. Every game. Yeah. I wanted the Kings to – I was hoping he'd follow the Kings. If they could have gotten him with that first second-round pick
1: that they eventually moved back and got Colby Jones with, that would have been great. Yeah. Yeah, He kind of just does it all. And thinking about it, I'd probably rather have Hakez than Jones. I mean, I think everyone would. Yeah. No offense, Colby. I think Hakez was always higher on draft boards, too, but they were both around that late first, early second range.
0: So, I don't know. Yeah. Colby Jones. Well, I think that's it. We get two games till so we talk next. I mean, I guess I don't have to preface that Warriors games. So we'll talk about it on the next <laughs> podcast. <laughs> that will be fun. But yeah, Draymond returns uh, from suspension. Anyways, that'll be the last tournament game too. That'll be fun to watch. But we still got another podcast to go before that one. Kings play two more. But yeah, John. Anything else? Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. That's all I have to say. Yeah, everyone, you know, have a good Thanksgiving, stay safe out there, and thank you for tuning in. Wait a second, if you guys are
1: listening right now, and you made it all the way through the podcast, if you're on YouTube,
0: go ahead and comment, what should they comment? Uh, Why don't you go comment, uh, Happy Thanksgiving, Tony and John, Wishes Happy Thanksgiving, and you can get 50% off... A shirt in the Cap Crown store. First one to do it, only one of
1: you gets it. But still, if you're going to wish us thanks, you know, happy Thanksgiving, that'd be great. It'd really be a nice boost to our morale. We don't have any families. We're going to be spending Thanksgiving with nobody. So, you know, if you want to send a turkey, some money, yeah, a cold blank, a nice blanket for the cold,
0: yeah, it'd that'd be nice. great. But yeah, first one to do it, you get a little little treat there. So, go ahead and do it. Take a look at the shop. I'll link it for you. I'll I'll, I'll do as much as I can. Freaking let us know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's it. Thank you for tuning in, as always. Until next time, have a good one.